welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. Once again, I am Dane Wallace here with Freya Spence, and today we welcome to the show Mr. Sasha Mueller to discuss what drives him and how to tap into what truly drives you. Sasha is a former professional skateboarder, having achieved a global ranking of 12th in vert skateboarding. As his professional career came to an end, Sasha became the German-Austrian team manager for his longtime sponsor, Quicksilver. This job leapfrogged Sasha into his fitness career, where he later worked with Technogym, Powerplate, and Transatlantic Fitness, where from 2009 to 2012, he taught TRX suspension training courses across Germany. Sasha also founded both Amsterdam-based companies, Transatlantic Fitness, and personal training and group fitness club, MT Fitness. Now an Animal Flow Master Instructor living in Frankfurt and teaching across Europe, Sasha is on a never-ending journey in search of new methods to enhance human health and fitness and to pay this knowledge forward wherever he can. So with that said, please enjoy the next hour of conversation with the one and only Sasha Mueller. Enjoy. So we're just going to dive right in. So Sasha, thank you so much for your patience. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm glad we figured it out and thanks so much for having me. Oh, no problem, man. How are things in Frankfurt? Well, um, adjusting, adjusting overall, very good. I'm doing really good over those, over those last few months. Still adjusting a little bit, but yeah, doing good in general. Yeah, how about you guys? We're good. You know, the same sort of thing. It feels like a process of adjustment and finding counterbalance also within the adjustments because it's very easy as entrepreneurs or, you know, when you own your own business to just go, go, go. Mm. Um, and remembering that we also need to press pause at times <laughs> is important. Absolutely. And that's a big, that's actually a big um, shift of perspective that I had over the last few months. I mean, I mean, this would be a first part of the conversation, I guess, really to dive into, but I don't know if that's the right part. Yeah, man, let's go. Let's dive right into all it. Right, Tell us all, all right. about it. Well, what, what, what you just said, Freya, I mean, you know, we need to hit pause as self-employed people, as people that are doing our own things and chasing our own dreams. I mean, I'm, usually I'm really chasing after the things that I like, that I want to do. And so I've been doing that all my life. And over, the last, over those last few months where I was basically forced sitting back home, not being able to travel so much, I was basically just continuing to to go after my daily routines and to do the things that I know make me feel good, apart from traveling. Traveling is something that is in my DNA. It is some something that I need. I need to break out. However, um, you know, I really figured out those last few months, man, doing less, chasing my routines a little bit more, or just having them much more on point, like I was able to now, makes me feel so good. It really was unbelievable how good I was feeling over those last few months. And that made me rethink, okay, well, I I think I need to kind of recalibrate how much I am actually willing to travel for what I'm doing for a living. Even though I thought everything was in balance and everything was kind of like good, like with so many things, you often only see it once you change something, right? Yes. So that's what happened to me basically, yeah. Yeah, very well put. It's true. It's, uh, you know, we get so used to that rhythm, whatever that rhythm is, and we are happy and we are enjoying. And then, you know, we introduce something in this context, it's forced stillness and something I've spoken to some of our other MI colleagues about is that we're all very used to that type of drive and go and we love it and we do. But then appreciating stillness in a whole new perspective and finding that routine and understanding how we can thrive with that as well. We realize going forward, it's like, oh, there might be a more sustainable way Mm. available to move forward. Yeah, right. And, And oftentimes all that noise that we expose ourselves to, I mean, that is just over overclouding what actually makes us feel really good, like the real essential things maybe. You know, I mean, we, we know that from a coaching perspective. I mean, you guys are coaching on a day-to-day base. It was a big part of what I've been doing as a fitness professional. And lots of people that came to me in the past, they've been overcast with all their to-dos, with all their day-to-day uh, machinery of things and, and to-dos. They didn't even realize what 
was missing or until they actually changed the perspective and started doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just, I want to go back to that comment you just made about feeling good mm. and just the way you were living your life. You thought you had, you, know, you were doing all the things that you loved and it was go, go, go. And you thought everything was just the way you wanted. And then you were forced to slow down. And then you mentioned you started feeling really good. What do you mean by feeling good? What was that feeling? Mm. So good question. I mean, over those last, let's say five years, so basically, since I have lived in Amsterdam, since I had my own gym there, and since I basically moved back to Germany, I, I really was thinking a lot about what are my values, what are the things that drive me, what motivates me to keep those things you know, on a day-to-day -day base, because I know they're making me feeling good. Um, so I need to be understanding what exactly is it. You know, like a ritual is only really worth having it or continuing it if you really understand why, what's the actual motivation behind the ritual. And so I'm really aware of, you know, there's not many things I need to be feeling good. However, it is so easy to skip them sometimes. And every time I come back to revisit those rituals, those routines, basically, I should say, on a frequent base, I do realize after a few days, man, I, this is really what I need. This is really what is making me feel so good. And to put it really simple, I mean, there's not much that I need to be happy. You know, I need to be around people that I have in my inner circle, basically. So that would be family and close friends. Um, I need some downtime every day, which is basically could be meditation, could be some inside focus, could be some activity that blends everything, you know, on a day to day business uh, perspective out which is basically just inside focus, you know, being here, being present. That could really be breathing cycles in the morning while meditating. That could be learning something on a musical, on a music instrument. That could be doing mm -hmm. BJJ, which completely absorbs you mentally. So, you know, it really is just, you know, being around good people. Those people that really are close to you, that's what I need. Um, having downtime. And that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, of course, I, I want to be traveling and I love traveling. I love to get out. However, I think those are the most essential things, what I need. And then, of course, the whole part of training, of moving. And luckily, you, you guys and myself, we have such a broad background of knowing what we can do to make us feel good physically. That is such a huge yeah. thing. You know, and um, I mean, what I what might make me feel good today, working out-wise and moving-wise, might be completely different tomorrow. And luckily, with the understanding of my body and the workout concepts, the movement concepts, I can simply switch between today's training and tomorrow's training because I, ha I have such a vast knowledge of what I can do with my body. So oftentimes, that is really, in a nutshell, also what what I wish for everyone else. You know, man, you need to know what you need to do with your body physically to be feeling well. But that is, you know, I mean, we're lucky because we spend a lot of time doing these things. So to come back to your question, family, close friends, um, you know, moving and really feeling good about that physically. And then, of course, downtime, inside focus, meditation, call it what you will. Yeah. Well, and we, we have always been really big, believers and we preach variety and skill set because that's what allows you to tune into your body but also understand what your body needs that day and to also not you don't experience setbacks the same way mm -hmm. because if you only have one modality of care for your body that you're aware of so say you only know that in the context of this like you only know gym machine work, for example. Well, we have no access to that right now at all. And so somebody who didn't know other ways to take care of themselves is a little bit at a loss at a time like this, at a point of crisis, because there's an overwhelming amount of information out there that everyone's inundated with, particularly because of the lockdowns, you know, because everyone went online, they're like, do this, do this, that it becomes harder to filter through what their system actually needs. And having that variety, like we've lost uh, certain things, you know, that we don't have access to right now, including swimming, but we have a vast array of other things that we can employ. Mm -hmm. And and 
cultivating that knowledge about your own body is crucial and cultivating that awareness every single day, putting your brain back into your body is also, I love that you touched on that. But with that said, can you give our listeners a little more background on your development through movement and through the fitness industry and everything? Because you've got a really interesting background that started at a young age and you've kind of, you've, you've gone into many different areas um, in movement and carved your own path there. Yeah, um, that's a tricky question because honestly, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, of course, I can go back to to my skateboarding days. Um, Please do. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, like. <laughs> okay, so I, I wanted to have a normal life. I studied. I went to a really tough um, university here in Germany. And then something that was my hobby back then, you know, with sweet nineteen, twenty years old turned into my job because, you know, I was doing it next to studying. I was really just doing it as a vent, basically, to to let my energy out, which was skateboarding. So skateboarding has always been a part of, you know, what I have been doing as a teenager, growing up on the streets with my buddies and skating mini ramps, skating street, you know, just being that little punk rock kid. And so later <laughs> on, so later on that really stuck and was always there for me somehow and then suddenly I found myself studying hardcore learning every day and getting a call back then from one of the guys that I knew from all the skateboard magazines back then and you know he he's even known in the US even though he never moved there but he is one of those hardcore German skateboarding legends and at that time he was a team manager for some of the well-known brands and he was organizing something back then which was a big um, three-week tour doing skateboarding demonstrations in Dubai. Um, And I was just, you know, having my first local sponsor. I was somehow, with 18, 19 years old, getting a bit more known for being a bit better than the average skateboarder. I had no idea I could pursue anything like a pro skateboarding career. However, I was invited. Uh, I got that call. I did say yes within basically a blink of an eye. Didn't even think about missing some of my um, some of the work that I had to do for my studies. Of course. And um, so I found myself three weeks there. I got back to Germany after those demonstrations or after those demos, I should say. And I had I had my first paying sponsor, which was back then Sony PlayStation. So that was wow. right about that time when Tony Hawk PlayStation, you know, the games yep. came out. So there was a lot of money to be spent in that channel, basically marketing-wise, for those big companies so fast forwarding a little bit because you know that was then the next 10 years of my of my life i basically just spent the next 10 12 years from that point on just traveling you know winning german championships a few times competing european championships world cup circles um, or circuits living in the states living in australia um, just moving around basically not even having a place as a home base I couldn't even imagine that nowadays because nowadays I know how important it is to have a home base. However, back then I was just, fuck yeah, let's do this, you know, let's travel the world and, and, and just, you know, do what I was dreaming as a kid. And without going too much into detail, because this is really, I mean, it was a long time with crazy experiences. I mean, with everything you can imagine from basically seeing on rockstar television documentary films or whatever. So then I had a big, big moment in 2006, which was landing a big trick that I worked up to for about half a year. So half a year, I had my own facility. I was training and working and trying to do this movement, trying to do this overhead spin, which is called a McTwist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally in Zurich in Switzerland, 2006, I, I stuck that trick in front of 30,000 people live on a Sunday, final day. My family was there, lots of my best friends at that time, which were traveling with me on a week-to-week base. And I did that trick. And and after that, I kind of, like within the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes, just celebrating, getting, you know, all the high fives from all my best friends. And obviously everyone knew how much of a big deal that is because in that world, if you do that trick, it's like you're entering a whole new club. It's like before <laughs> before that, Yes, you've been one of us, but you know, yeah, you're here. That's okay. But after that, (laughs) 
it's like, well, you've done that. That's cool, man. So you've earned your spot here. That's really okay. Thank, good, good to have you here, basically. And and on that same day, I do remember that I did call my girlfriend at that time, and I think I told her, not I, I don't know the exact words, but I know I told her that I think I'm done. You know, after after that time of ten years, twelve years, I think I am done because throughout my whole life starting with sweet 16 18 i did keep a diary i wrote down goals that i wanted to work up towards to and one of my very early goals as a skateboarder was i want to keep doing this as long as i see myself progressing so the moment that i really achieved something and i don't feel that fire in me anymore that's when i want to really you know make space for the next younger generation yeah. And that really was, I mean, it was everything in that day. I felt I've achieved something I was looking up towards as a little kid. I wanted to do this for such a long time. I've worked out for it. I've smashed my head into the ramp so many times. And now I've done it, like, in front of this huge crowd. And, you know, so that was really the pinnacle, basically. And I tried to keep it up. Um, the motivation or look for new goals for the next couple of months after that. Somehow I didn't really feel it anymore. And um, I mean, it must have been the universe. It must have been me putting out the right signals. I don't know. However, the next season, my main sponsor at that time asked me, hey, do you want to become our team manager for Germany and Austria? And that was Quicksilver at that time, who paid me on a month-to-month base, was my main sponsor. And they simply wanted me to switch from being active. They actually didn't ask me to switch from active to passive to team manager, but I at the same time told them when they offered me to do team management, I told them, you know what, I am pretty much done with what I want to do as a pro. I would love to take on that opportunity to become like your team manager now. And that was a perfect switch for me. And that gave me so much freedom, so much relief, not having to chase the next goal and also freedom to then set up things for me to become you know, learning about fitness industry, learning about becoming, doing my first trainer licenses, basically, and then doing personal training and then continuing the, continuing the, the journey from there. That's how that mm-hmm. all started. Into education and everything. Well, and there's so much that even just in that you can unpack. I mean, for starters, I think it's very easy for people to forget that to achieve a massive trick like that takes so much failure. You noted, mm. uh, notably in your sport, like falling <laughs> and, yeah. and that beats you up. But I mean, there's also a resilience to that in terms of getting back up and trying mm. again and again and again. And so when it comes to fitness and even just helping people get the motivation to set goals and then to also understand setbacks and then to also understand how to interpret them and how to improve them and move past them, all of which don't involve slamming themselves into boards. Mm. Um, (laughs) But it's it's a very different thing, but it can be broadly applied to so many areas in life. And that's where it, it is challenging, especially as, you know, as coaches and as educators, we are persistently confronted with that that ever present like oh but this person promised me in four weeks I could transform the last 50 years of my life and turn myself into xyz rather than really really embracing the process behind it and the importance of setting those goals but more importantly understanding that they change and it's like cool I've achieved this like I'm happy here. I'd like to explore something else instead of defining themselves as like you weren't defined strictly by your sport. And that was something I have helped a lot of athletes with and struggled with myself. It was like, I saw myself as a dancer. Mm -hmm. So when that ended, I was like, well, what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I? (laughs) You know? So there are so many processes there and knowing how to gracefully exit something into a new venture Mm -hmm. is almost just as hard as like it's a it's a breakup in a sense but it's a but i have to say it's a good breakup uh, you oh, know it's a great one when i when i was in that situation so that year 2007 i believe um i do remember calling my sponsors on one day all after each other and telling them hey you know what i've um, been with you for such a long time we've had a great um uh, relationship 
And thank you for all your support. Thank you for this time. I am moving on. And just to do that, you know, um, that was such a relief that felt so good. And uh, that also allowed me to, to continue new things without feeling any guilt, without feeling like, you know, still being stuck in that old scene and the skateboarding scene, which I still love to this day, but I never wanted to become the person who they, who the big sponsors would just ditch because you have become too old, you're not winning anymore. You're not producing enough photos anymore. Um, so in a way, I always had a sense for that. And it felt so good to make that move at that time. Yeah, and what, what you just said, you know, then becoming becoming a coach after that. I mean, I did what I think that mo most coaches did or most fitness trainers, later personal trainers. You know, be becoming a coach, you, you need to learn how to how to find the reasons why your client is stuck in a certain situation. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is not about making them do another 50 burpees on Monday morning, or it is not about having them in a puddle of sweat. We all know that, you know, the much more important thing. But that took me so long to figure this out. That took me years to figure this out and burn so many clients, you know, and um, you really need to figure out as a health coach, what is the true situation what is the true mindset that brought your client to you and once you're able to address this somehow from a coaching perspective that your client understands i need to switch some some sort of my perspective mm -hmm. so my intention was always i need to switch the perspective or i need to get my client to find a way to switch their perspective so they would never be in the situation anymore to search a personal coach or personal trainer However, most personal trainers are really afraid of doing it like this. I have the feeling, or at least back then they were, because that basically means, well, if I tell them everything, they might not be coming back anymore. Ah, uh, yes. But, but, you know, this is so not true, because once you've established this, the client realizes how much of a change you've caused or you've worked out with them, and you've got such a good relationship that continues to grow and develop. Yeah, so it's a it's a long journey for all of us, right? That the whole health coaching perspective thing. Yeah. Well, and I think you hit on a couple really important things there. I mean, we're very much the same and we know this, our audience doesn't know this, but we know this to be true in that we'd rather we want to empower people to understand that they can take care of their bodies and the skin they're in and and they can understand these concepts are not above yeah. their head um, and they can learn how to tune in and and to your point it is figuring out also the why because I know that all of us in our early days of the career were like okay so we know this about physiology we know this about uh, rep schemes and like we're putting together this crazy plan that we think is gonna like that we're so excited to implement with our clients and we're like yeah it's gonna work it's gonna get them exactly what they want and then we realized like oh you know what the why that they were sharing wasn't we needed to dig deeper we needed to understand them more and then that brings it full circle back to your comment about gaining a different feeling and really everyone is is seeking a feeling and for some people that feeling is like yes I want to be able to race this fast and I want to be able to do that thing mm. that's different from something else and I want to be able to like travel and so on and then other people the feeling that they're looking for like they they don't they're okay feeling like I don't know slightly lethargic in the morning or like mm. they don't feel like they need to be that fast they're really happy if they can walk at a good clip and and go for a one hour hike whereas someone else is like my happy happiest feeling would be like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro, you know? Yeah. So that degree and that massive gray zone of the feeling that a client is looking for is where the art of being a health coach is found because if they want to have that glass of wine every night, that's a person who's seeking a different feeling than the person who is, is seeking those like split second hairs of high performance or split second, um, maybe not speed, but weight, where that glass of wine is actually a barrier to that. And That's, they're all just yeah. seeking different feelings. But our job is to figure out and to help, you know, guide people towards that. Because most people, when they go in, they're just like, okay, well, I need to lose this much weight and I need to be able to do 
this many burpees and and then I'll be good. It's like, yeah. well, what does good mean? <laughs> yeah, what 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 is good? And that's a good keyword right there because I mean everything in life is dynamic. You know, one, once you figure it out, once I figured out what makes me feel good, now those last few past months, it's not going to be the same next year. No. You know, it, it's all dynamic. We get winter and summer. We get morning and evenings. We get spring and fall. You know, it's all, it's all changing the whole time. I get more energy in summertime. I get less energy in wintertime to spend, at least here in Germany. There's less daylight. You know, there's mm -hmm. different cravings. There's different feelings, different, and like you said, Freya, Everything is driven by by certain emotions or feelings, you know, and and understanding those and understand and understanding that these things are really dynamic. That's a different layer of transporting of transporting this understanding to your clients. Then again, I think it's really fine line to walk because this is so much. How can I communicate this to someone who I see two hours a week or three hours a week? And, you know, who's really just coming to the gym with a thought, okay, I'm going to buy some service. I'm going to pass this on and I'm going to be doing this and this and this. So it really takes a good coaching perspective background and it's a never ending journey, which I really love to be on. Yeah, exactly. And it, I think we've all had clients come in who they present us with the goal that they're chasing mm. and yet the daily behaviors and actions really fly in the face of that. Mm. And that's when you get that, you know, the frustration with the client being like, oh, well, I'm seeing you two to three hours a week. I'm getting these workouts in, but I'm not getting that result. I'm not getting that weight loss that I want to see. And then mm. it's having the conversation about, well, what feeling are you really chasing here? Like, do you really just want to decompress in the evenings and have that great big dinner and stay up a little bit late and have that glass of wine? Or do you want to find a new feeling and see what it feels like to not do those things? Maybe to go to bed a bit earlier, maybe drink a little bit more water and then see, you know, what do you get out of your workouts then? You know, how does that change? And I have this conversation with clients all the time, just being like, you know, if you want to have that glass of wine, if you do like to have desserts and stuff like that, it doesn't make you a bad person. Mm -hmm. You're making those choices and that what makes you feel good and you love the lifestyle you get to lead then embrace it and enjoy it. But you have to understand that there are going to be things that you can't achieve if mm. you're doing those behaviors day to day. Yeah, it all, it's all the mix, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, most of times I'm not a fan of, you know, any extremes, um, you know, doing things one, too one-sided. So, coming from a professional um, skateboarder. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm on your team, Sasha. I get it. Yeah, I know what why, you mean. <laughs> and that's why you skate switch then, right? I mean, you just skate the other <laughs> way around, not doing them too one-sided. <laughs> no, but, you know, what you just said, Dane, maybe, you know, with some clients, it needs to be a mix of both things, you know? It needs to be a mix of having a few nights, you know, being absolutely strict, having one or two or three nights, whatever, in the beginning to kind of really feel good or come back to that old feel-good feeling. And then learning, okay, that's how I feel on those days. That's how I feel on those days. And it's, again, it's dynamic. So the perspective changes and maybe the learning curve will then lead that client to, hey, actually, you know what? Skipping that dessert, that wine makes me feel better the next morning. Yeah, and there we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we've had people give up uh, a lot because they just realized how much they loved movement and because mm -hmm. their movement sessions either with us or independent were in the morning they just realized you know what it's way easier if I just save the wine for like one night on the weekend and that wasn't something that was forced it was just like a proxy of people really understanding when they make choices what the consequences are of mm -hmm. said choices and that, that doesn't mean like consequences t typically has a negative connotation and that's not the the deliver I mean it in just meaning it goes back to your comment about rituals and understanding why we're doing them and understanding like oh I really enjoyed this one because this like feeds my soul like I love the process personally of making coffee in the morning you know at, what at, it's like it, it is a meditation for me and it has such positive memory links. And, and I think if people understood the roots of all the choices they might made without making them blindly, they would also appreciate them more like that dessert. Yeah. If chosen really intently, or like they are aware of it rather than just doing it because, you know, it was there, mm. they'd enjoy it more. Mm. 
one I was reading a book a few years ago, and I can't. Uh, it's actually um, the power of full engagement. In that book, there was really simply put, you know, how to understand the values of your rituals. Because for, for most people that we speak to on a day-to-day -day base, it's a really new concept of thinking about. It's a new, it's a completely new concept. So, you know, your number one ritual in the morning, if it's not coffee, it might be brushing your teeth, right? And, you know, the number one goal behind that is, I don't want to go to the dentist. And that's how easy it is to keep you brushing your teeth every morning. So if you can translate that to other activities, you know, and to find out what is it that drives me, if you keep doing that, if you keep those habits up, it is basically then, you know, eventually something, if you, if you do it for the right reasons, that will stick, that will cause a change, that will lead to your um, envisioned whatever um, feeling that you want to have. Yeah, you you nailed that one absolutely, and and that's a great example too of you know you you brush your teeth because you don't want to go to the dentist. It's not because your dentist says you have to brush your teeth every single day, mm. and and it's this, I I find it so much more powerful as a coach when you just present options to clients and you say and you get to make that choice because a lot of people hire a coach and they say oh well I can't eat cake because my coach says I can't eat cake so I can't do this and then it's they're living in this kind of fear of doing the thing. Mm. And then inevitably that little rebel inside's like, screw it, I'm eating the whole cake, yeah. you know? And, and it's, it creates this kind of negative feedback loop. Whereas mm. if you give clients the option and say, Hey, enjoy that cake and then see how you feel the next day <laughs> or enjoy that drink and see how you feel the next day. And then don't do it and see how you feel as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And when people can kind of find, Oh, I get to make that choice. And Oh, I know why I'm making that choice. When I do make that choice, mm. it makes such a different impact mentally for the person because then they know they're in charge and they know that it's their choice one way or another yeah that's right i mean most people want to be in charge of of their choices and the very few people who i met throughout the years where i really had the feeling man this person doesn't want to do anything outside of this gym or outside of the conversation as a coach with them it is you know that there, there are that those people and um but maybe it was also yeah. me as a coach not finding the right ways of communication at that moment that could also be yeah and some sometimes there are inherent beliefs about your capacity like our capacity as yeah. coaches it's like no yeah. nope, this person's just here to to give me reps and truthfully a lot of people are I had uh, this funny thing pop to mind when we were talking about choice and trying different things on for size instead of living in the extremes or black and white mm -hmm. rules and it, it reminded me of, of toddlers like every toddler will put their shoes on incorrectly mm -hmm. <laughs> at, at some point and your your best bet is to just say do they feel good that way yeah because most toddlers are trying really hard at that stage there's still like many sociopaths at that stage from mm. a neurologic standpoint yeah. but they're also trying to be independent and like i can do this thing i don't yeah. need you even though i do need you to feed me and all of those other things but it just reminds me of that it's, it's just the process where whereby like they'll figure it out and then they'll ask for help to switch them or they'll switch them themselves. But to them, it's, it's that curiosity. And I think as adults, as coaches, we're constantly learning. And even as adults trying to change or shift their health, embracing it with curiosity is just so much more powerful than sticking to extremes or putting ourselves in boxes of, I should be able to do this. Instead, it's kind of like, well, why is that not successful for me? Like, why am I having a really hard time shifting that particular pattern in my life? Mm, yeah. You, you just reminded me of something. Um, I, I don't really know if that is appropriate here or not, but... Um, Go for it anyway, man. Yeah, anyways, I mean, a few weeks back, I had... Um, I was with my, with my daughter for a whole weekend, like, going, just the two of us, to this place, like, uh, in the Netherlands. It's called Center Parks, basically hidden in the woods somewhere. You can go to a swimming pool, whatever. And um, she had a bruised up knee because she was, she's five years old and she was running on the playground a few days ago and bruised up her knee and we were eating something and she was asking me for something unhealthy, like literally using the word, daddy, can I eat something unhealthy? Because she knows it's usually tasty. <laughs> um, and what I then was like, okay, we need to eat this first and, and let me explain you something. So I, I showed her what we're eating right now. It goes down your stomach, literally showing her. And then your body uses this to kind of repair your bruise on the knee. 
I was really just making this up on the get go while talking to her. And I could see her face in that moment, you know, like thinking, okay, digesting it a little bit, a few seconds, and then moving on. The next day, she hurt her toe, and um, she was coming to me. It hurt a bit more. She was sitting on my lap for a few seconds, crying. And she was just telling me, I want to eat something healthy now. <laughs> you know, because, because she understood that, you know, eating something good will be good for your body to kind of repair and, and then eventually make you, you know, like a whole again or repair. Oh, that's, and that's awesome. Yeah. And so after that, I was, man, this was such a coincidental, like, um, a powerful way of explaining her why we want to eat something healthy. And, you know, it is, it just takes a little bit of creativity and, um, I don't know where that came from right now. It just came up while you were speaking. No, no, it makes sense. <laughs> and and truthfully, like we are so malleable. It's just uh, as as adults, sometimes we have these inherent beliefs that we haven't spent the time to question. And yeah. like some of the teens I work with, I've worked with a few of them for a few years. So I've had the privilege of like being part of some of their, you know, growing pains in their sport and in their bodies and so on. And one of them, I met her due to... Um, well, in part an injury and so helping her manage that. And so now when she says, oh, you know, this this is sort of achy. And I say, well, why do you think that is? I give her the choice to filter through and do her own detective work first. And then it's, oftentimes she can figure it out herself now. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I didn't have enough water and I went to bed two hours later than I should have. Yeah. Great. Excellent. So you know where to meet yourself at. And I said, okay, so what are you going to do for the rest of the day and Uh tomorrow? And she goes, well, I'm going to go to bed at this time and I'm already getting my water intake up and I'm going to have a healthier meal. So it's, it's like everyone has that capacity to make the choices and to also just own it. Like she doesn't lie. She's like, yep, went to bed at two in the morning. Probably wasn't a good idea, you know, but she can identify it instead of, you know, an adult who has been sleeping four hours a night because they're burning the candle at both ends and then has no idea why they feel like crap for months on end because yeah. they slept well that weekend it's like well your sleep debt isn't paid off in a weekend Mm. um but having that curiosity and reflection and when you instill that in a five-year-old that's awesome (laughs) yeah i mean um telling an adult person about that you might have to use a different example or different words (laughs) yes but you know i would say so (laughs) but anyways i mean it is um it is something i would wish sometimes more more parents would find simple creative ways that really take no effort at all to instill those thoughts and ideas and concepts into their little ones yeah yeah and i think that the biggest issue with that is a lot of parents never had that instilled in them so Mm. their brains would never go there to try and relay that message right it's it's a it's a broken telephone game Broken telephone. Learned something again today. Thanks for that. After all, English <laughs> is not my mother language, so broken telephone. <laughs> Great. Wait, you never played that game? A broken telephone. Oh, well, we'll tell you about it later. Broken telephone is an actual game, but it, it, it's also figuratively a thing of disconnected information. I'm looking forward to hear more about that. <laughs> <laughs> that. So, so, I mean, you've, you've been in the industry for, for quite a long time now. You've taken a ton of different courses. Can you pinpoint any maybe of some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as an educator in this industry? Ooh, that's a tricky question. Um, I can look at it from different perspectives, I believe. And I was fortunate enough to work with, for example, Fraser from TRX, Fraser, Fraser Equelch in mm-hmm. Canada. And, you know, from, from a coaching perspective, from an, a master instructor, pers- instructor perspective, I was, I remember so clear to this day when I was seeing him present to us the future master trainers of TRX back then in 2009, around about 2010. I was, I was looking at him, listening to him and, and seeing the pace that he had. And I know I am speaking quite fast and that is my, that is how I use my language, my voice. And I can't really change that too much because otherwise it's going to be completely unnatural. Mm-hmm. But where I want to go is, you know, being so fortunate and, and seeing Fraser and then later on seeing Mike, who's an awesome presenter. And just every single time I listen to him, 
and, and Freya, we've we've and Dane as well. We've had those situations probably many times together. Every time I see Mike present on a topic that I have been presenting myself for a few years now, I'm learning something new. And that is, you know, never stop learning, never stop absorbing, being open, being open-minded. So this is basically the, the curve now that I'm trying to make. You know, um, even though you know you've, or you think you've seen so many things and, and you're pretty good, you've been chosen, you can do your thing now. But just stay open-minded and, you know, keep looking for new information without losing your true, you know, your values, those things that you found for yourself. And that is something that took me a while to figure out, you know, not to swing too much with the wind, but, but to stick true to my values, to the things that I think are important for my person. But, you know, just staying open-minded to bring it in one sentence, the answer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that is, of course, Mr. Michael Fitch of uh, Animal Flow, who is an excellent orator. Mm. <laughs> I hope he listens to this and hears that. I, I did not get that, but I'm just going to think it's funny. <laughs> Whatever that word was. <laughs> yeah, it is also interesting how um, humor sometimes translates and sometimes does not. Yeah. I'm not funny in French. Like at all, <laughs> but my humor in English is okay. Uh, <laughs> as far as your own practice, like how has your own practice shifted over the years in terms of your own movement practices or even professionally? Mm. Um, looking looking back at it now, with a few years of experience and and figuring out movement practices, training concepts, what what I've noticed is that I usually try to pick things or I start liking things that are skill-based. So coming from a skateboarding background, you know, which, you know, before that I was an active kid. I was just, you know, I was trying judo. I was trying taekwondo. I was trying soccer. I was trying all these sort of sports. Um, somehow I didn't like it. My mom gave me enough freedom to try the next one um, until I got with stuck with skateboarding. That gave me enough freedom, no trainer to tell me basically what what has to happen, what can't happen, and so on. So coming back to your question, all things that I experienced are really skill-based, and those things really usually capture me. So skateboarding is obviously really skill-based. During my skateboarding time, I started playing golf, you know, which I was, which I was completely obsessed with for a few years. TRX really stuck to me. Um, I found TRX in 2008, roundaboutish, late 2008, 2009. At that time, no one in Germany had ever seen a TRX. And again, TRX training, suspension training is something, it actually compared to that training that I was used before, we used to before that, it actually is quite demanding, like skill-wise. You need, you know, proprioceptively, you need to figure out how this works. You need to balance your body. You need to be aware of what's moving and how it's moving. And then to spin, you know, to go further down the timeline, TRX stuck with me for quite some time. Then I did find uh, TACFIT, Scott Sonnen, you know, which I, I I saw that and I was kind of like, that's pretty cool. That's, that you know, it, all I know about it, it looks funky, it looks funny here and there, especially back then it wasn't, you know, as nicely marketed as nowadays however it was something that made me feel good it took me time to figure these things out and again you know looking at it from the perspective now it is skill based and it captured me same thing then like one or two years later um, starting my journey with body weight movement practices i found mike you know before animal flow was actually animal flow so i started following mike on youtube started playing around with some of his global bodyweight training um, concepts. And I remember to this day that I, at one time, at one day in Amsterdam, living back then, I figured out how to come from a crow pose into a handstance position. So I, you know, that just that press up without any momentum. And I remember sending actually, or posting it on Twitter, which I think I've used over my lifetime two times or three times. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just something I don't use. It, at least, you know, here in, in Europe, we, I think it's not as big as in the US. Anyways, 
Um, so I actually used Twitter to post this and I tagged Mike and he replied to me. And I was like, oh yeah, I got a reply from Mike Fitch from the US. And um, so this was basically my first touching point. And I don't even remember, or I don't know if he remembers this, but I do remember it. <laughs> yeah, and then, moment. and then from there on, I saw them releasing the first Animal Flow DVD, which I believe was 2014, 15. I'm not really sure when that was. Yeah, I think it would have been 13. Yeah, it could be. It was the first one that yeah. came out. I bought it right away, had it ordered to Amsterdam. Um, and I was super pissed that they didn't send me the T-shirt I ordered along with it. And <laughs> and actually, Karen remembers this. He tells me the story nowadays from her side. Yeah, and there was this guy from from Amsterdam, and, and she told Mike about it. There's this guy in Amsterdam buying our program. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually, we're not going to send him a shirt yeah they, and then they actually did send me the shirt and I was a happy customer back then yeah. <laughs> that is too funny do you guys remember DVDs <laughs> <laughs> so so we I think we deviated a bit from your initial question which Freya was about could you could you let me know what exactly was the question <laughs> It's it's okay. We we like tangents, and truthfully, it was um, just a general question in terms of like how your own practice has has shifted. Oh, and yeah, I think yeah. you answered that very well in terms of it's constantly evolving and shifting, but it is largely centered around skill based development. Yeah, it is. It is skill based. Um, those things usually capture me. Um, it might be handstands practice, which I had a few years and still also in living in Amsterdam, but where I really dove into and, and tried to acquire as much skill there as possible. Um, lately, it has become Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, which uh, since the day I tried it for the first time, which was about four years ago, completely absorbs me. You know, I'm sometimes when I'm coming home from a BJJ session, I'm like, still trying to figure out movements on the way back home at home until I fall asleep, basically. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it is such an, such an, such a complicated thing that is so much fun as well. And I see it more as a sport than actually a fighting um, self-defense thing. I think it is a really cool skill to have once somebody would lay hands on you, but it's not the reason why I'm doing that because I'm not a fighter. I'm not, you know, I don't expose myself to situations where I would typically get into situations like that. However, yeah. um, it is also, you know, when I started that, I was one or two years down that journey. I was like, damn it. Again, you picked something that is just really, really tough to do. And as usual, I'm completely absorbed by it. I love that though. And that's where I always say that there's always if people have tried five different things and they just say, oh, well, exercise isn't for me, I, I don't buy that. Everybody needs movement and there's always something that can oh, yeah. really capture them. And I'm the same way to the, like towards skill development um, just because of my background with uh, with ballet and then going into other things. I mean, hell, even swimming, I would, I'm not a great swimmer. My older brother and um, my sister-in-law are incredible and and even then, I'm just like, I loved not being great at it and still trying to figure out, it's like, okay, if I bring my hand into the water this way, how does that interact with it? And, oh, my hips are dropping now. But I, I need to not think about those things like animal flow. I cannot think about it going to bed because I'll get excited about a sequence <laughs> and my heart rate will go up. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. And that is like too captivating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is, um, I mean... It really absorbs you, and I can totally relate to to swimming as well, which which I think is a, it's a really cool thing to do as well because you need to figure out so many things, like your breathing, your movement of every tiny you know bit of your body, how you hold your fingers, how you hold your your feet, and all of these things. And with me over the years, I have really figured out those are the things that capture me and I have to pay attention that I do that I keep doing it for the right reasons you know this yes. is something this is something that I learned in skate like in those skateboarding days man I, I was I think I was a completely different person like not the person that you know nowadays Dane and, and Freya I've been a completely self-absorbed um, 
asshole, I would say, actually. And I think my <laughs> friends and, and girlfriends from that time can completely uh, confirm that. Um, I've been there. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm just happy I went through that curve and I, I did that because otherwise I would never have the perspective of actually, you know, knowing how that is. And there was so much external validation during those days. Mm. And, you know, this is also, you know, me finding out what actually drives me, what drives me to chase those skill-based concepts. Is it being cool and, and being able to hold handstands as straight as possible and longer than most humans? Or is it just me feeling good doing it? Is it me feeling good about myself, strangling and choking someone out again on the mats doing BJJ? Um, <laughs> what is the exact reason that drives me behind that? You know, is it external validation because it's just so much tougher than everything else and no other human does it pretty much? So knowing your reasons, again, it's coming back to that, right? Knowing your reasons, know why you want to do it and um, having, a, having a good approach and a healthy approach above all. Because nowadays, yeah. what, I, what I also figured out nowadays, I just embrace the journey so much more. You know, back then mm -hmm. in my in my 20s, comparing that to my pro time as a skateboarder, man, I was going skateboarding until I was broke, day by day by day by day, until my body literally told me, you know what, you're not getting up today because you're hurting so much. And, you know, nowadays it's with whatever skill I'm looking at, I'm really enjoying the process of, okay, I put in some time. I know nowadays that skill takes time to digest, takes time to develop on different levels. And then, you know, there's no use of doing that two or three or four days in a row, basically. Apart from being physically overexhausted, when I'm speaking about BJJ, for example, I'd rather do it very short, more frequent. And then I have the feeling for me, I figured out for me, the learning curve is so much bigger. And yeah. it's the same with learning an instrument. Just lately in those last few months, you know, I've started with my first baby steps on playing piano, basically. And I just love looking at that process. Okay, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, at the end of the month, you can already play something. And, and just knowing that process, knowing that learning curve will be there. No matter how small the progress is today, it's, it's going to be a different status at the end of the month or at the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year. So, yeah, it, I mean, lots of great coaches have preached that for many years, you know, like every day, 1% more, Todd Durkin, one of the first things I learned as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's, again, that takes us full circle, man. That's, uh, you know, remember the why, right? Understand why you do something, enjoy mm -hmm. the process. And if you're not enjoying the process and you don't know the why or you're lost, yeah. it's time to rethink what you're doing. Absolutely, um, yeah. So that's great, man. And uh that does kind of bring us to the end here. So we always have a few wrap-up questions for all of our guests. So to kick off these questions, what is the most impactful book you have read in the past year or so? Mm. I wish I would read more. I do read. I do read some books over the year. Um, however, oftentimes, you know, I think the day doesn't have enough hours. Um, yeah. But then again, you know, I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. It really is something I can change. Don't stress about it. <laughs> Um, anyway, so the most impactful book, I think at the moment, which I'm still reading and I'm halfway through, but I'm absolutely fascinated by it, would be, I'm reading it in German. So it's, it's Norman Deutsch. Um, it is, I think something in English would be how your brain fixes itself, if I would translate oh, yeah. that correctly. Well, he has two. Those are two of my favorite books ever. Uh, one of them is... There's one that is the brain that heals itself, and then there's another one that refers to changing itself. There. Yeah. So the first one that yeah, you they're just both mentioned. about neuroplasticity. So <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. So so the first one that you just mentioned that's something that's a topic. Um, I find that so fascinating, and re I really want to dive in to learn way more about that. Um, I mean, there are some some great educational concepts out there, which you know I've started to look into. I'm not really quite sure which direction yet to go to, but I think that is something like literally everybody can can benefit from that I get my fingers at or that I get to speak to as a coach with so little things. You know, with if I have the knowledge and I know more about you know changing 
certain activations or changing how that person uses different areas in his or her brain that is such a huge thing and that is something that really impacted me and um, opened my eyes to that and and apart from that every now and then because I'm so much in this theoretical knowledge driven world you know I'm basically switching between two books one completely fiction and then one really on topic something yeah yeah we're very similar always have like five on the go <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we'll have to i'll have to give you some other titles that you might find interesting too yeah, because neuroplasticity is so. where i've spent like the last three years just diving in because it's so fascinating our capacity to heal is absolutely uh, yeah. seemingly pretty infinite but it just depends on your perspective of what that mm. is um so what is your daily non-negotiable self-care tool or habit mm. I think that would be, I mentioned that at the very beginning, I think that would be um, the inside focus time. Mm. And, you know, it, it could be meditation. It could be anything that gets the focus inside. It could be something that just blocks out everything that happens around me. Um, and even if it's just for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, um, I think that is something that I value so much nowadays, and especially during some really tough times when I was, you know, breaking up with a business in, in Amsterdam and, you know, like just tough business times, basically. Welcome to real life, some people would say, you know, and before that, everything was quite easy. I really learned how to value or to value those inside focus times. And sometimes for me, that's just taking my guitar and playing guitar. Sometimes that's going to, to BJJ because I know if someone is in close contact with me and tries to choke me, my brain is here and now. And there's no, I'm not thinking of anything else. I'm not thinking of doing this podcast today with Freya and Dane. It's really, there's no not. capacity <laughs> for anything else. So being here now inside focus time, that's, that's my daily non-negotiable. Yeah, I, I hear you on that one, brother. With uh, with our recent move and everything that's been going on, there's just been so many different priorities. And I, at the end of the mm. day, it's like, wow, I've spent no time on myself and I can feel that. And yeah. uh, so I think that's a that's a big takeaway for a lot of people is you have to make time for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. On, the, on that same note, if you had five minutes with someone else, what one thing would you try and impart to help them with their well-being? That... I think that very much depends on that person. Um, You're not five wrong. Minutes, five minutes with someone. You know, thinking from a coaching perspective, from a health and movement and fitness coach, um, I think if I had five minutes and I could possibly transport the feeling and the, the goals, or not, not, not the goals, but the feelings and the importance of figuring out for yourself what you can do for yourself to, to make you feel good. You know, having the choices between, okay, I can, I can physically do something really intense today. I can physically doing something just stretching a bit. I can physically just moving around and, and doing a light workout, but transporting the understanding of that. That's, um, I, honestly, I don't think I could do that in five minutes. <laughs> but let's say I could, that would be it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> in a magical parallel universe. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, last but not least, where can people find you? Um, I think nowadays the best thing to connect uh, would be Instagram. So that yep. would be my first name and then Z-O-S-C-H. That is basically, then you're going to find me right away. That and then my website, which is thisdrivesme.com, which Perfect. is, you know, that, that title originated from about six years ago when I really rediscovered what drives me what I, when I found when I was thinking about my values the things that motivate me so I, th I found that title back then this drives me that's that's perfect yeah love it 
All right. That's great, my friend. That is great. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that you you summarized why, why you chose the name This Drives Me as well. So again, you can go to that website and find more about Sasha Mula. I like his name Mula because it sounds like money and it's Sasha Money. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, my friend, we are so happy you joined us today. And uh, we hope that everything continues to go really well in Germany and that uh, someday these borders will reopen and that we will get to reconvene and uh, spend some more quality time together. Oh, I'm so I'm so looking forward to see you two again at some point very soon, rather sooner than later. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having this podcast and trying to to spread out to to distribute the knowledge of those people around you and what you do in general. Really cool to to see the two of you chasing after what you believe in. So thanks for having me. We're surrounded by great people like you. Thank you so much, Sasha. I love you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, too. Love you, guys, too. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Move Daily Health Podcast, and we will see everyone next time. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.